evening. Welcome to tonight's edition of Resistance TV. Uh, this evening, I'm speaking to the Shell Seven. These are seven uh, national heroes, actually, who have members of the Extinction Rebellion and have uh, been taking on Shell and were in court last week. Uh, six of them actually were uh, six of the activists were acquitted in a in a landmark verdict at uh, Southwark Crown Court on Friday. The jury delivered its not guilty verdict for each defendant, despite the judge ruling that five of the six had no defence under the law. The trial for criminal damage to the Shell headquarters building in London's Waterloo in April 2019, which could have led to a maximum fine uh, of, uh, I think, £10,000 and a five-year and or a five-year prison sentence. And it's the XR, uh, XR's second only case to be heard before a jury. Uh, the verdict's been hailed as a major victory for climate campaigners everywhere, facing increasing criminalisation. So the people with us uh, this afternoon then are uh, Jane Arsberger, Simon Bramwell, David Lambert, Ian Bray, uh, Senan Clifford, Hassa Popolos and uh, Sid, I uh, can't read my writing here, Samba. Let me bring in David. First of all, David, tell us what happened. Uh, how did you get on in court and uh, what uh, happened actually on the day two years ago? Uh, right. OK, well, the order in which let's reverse the order. So um, uh, two years ago at the Shell building at the start of the uh, April rebellion, we um, we uh, there were seven of us went along. Uh, we spray painted some messages on the walls. Uh, we glued on and broke some windows in the to the uh, to the entrance doors. And a couple of us clambered up onto the climbed up onto the um, canopy over the over the entrance and put up a banner about ecocide uh, and spread some more fake oil down the walls and um, spray painted some more messages about Shell. Great. And uh, what uh, what sort of uh, uh, reaction did you uh, receive from the police and from the Shell employees? Well, we were arrested for criminal damage. Uh, it was kind of yeah. open and shut, really. We was, no one was running away. We were... We, took full responsibility for our actions. Um, Shell employees were kind of interested. I don't think they felt particularly um, threatened. They were uh, looking what was going on, taking photos and um, chatting on their phones. But um, we were all uh, arrested for criminal damage because we knew that, you know, um, yeah. we knew what was going to happen. Yeah. So, yep, we were arrested. Right. Let me bring in Simon then. Let's get let get everyone on because we've got quite a few guests on. Let me bring in uh, Simon then and uh, hear Simon's uh, uh, taking it. Were, were you uh, expecting to be acquitted, Simon, at the, in the court? Yeah, good evening, everyone out there. Um, no. Uh, and to be honest, personally, I didn't have much of, or tried not to have too much of an attachment to the outcome as the judge ruled early on in the proceedings, like we, we had no defence. So things like duress of circumstance, uh, necessity uh, and lawful excuse were all ultimately disallowed us. Um, and in that respect, in respect to the law itself, uh, we couldn't be acquitted, so to speak. But thankfully, the jury listened to uh, the truth of what we were trying to tell them. Um, and yeah, the, the verdict was returned, not guilty. Uh, yeah, which was... Yeah, and still is landing a little bit there, Chris. Yeah, indeed. It's uh, it was an, an incredible uh, outcome, really, and it's interesting oh, to see see that the 
the jury were obviously convinced. I mean, I think the argument is being won and, well, perhaps is already won with, in terms of public opinion in relation to the, 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 you know, the climate crisis that we're facing. It's just, just a question of getting the, you know, the political class and the, uh, and the uh, corporations to recognise the, the scale Absolutely. of the, the, the challenge facing us. And, and again, I think it's a, it's a massive win in that respect for the truth more than anything else, Chris. And once yeah. these uh, 12 representatives of our society had heard all the evidence around Shell, once they'd heard about the severity of what's coming very shortly down the line and looming over us right now, what's emerging elsewhere on the planet, um, yeah, they didn't really hesitate. And uh, yeah, that's significant. Indeed. Ian, let's bring uh, Ian in then. And uh, Ian, um, uh, what, what was your reaction then? Uh, and what was, more to the point, what was the judge's reaction? Did you get a glimpse of the judge's face when the not guilty verdict came through? Uh, he didn't look displeased. Oh, well, that's something. Say. He studied neutral throughout the proceedings, uh, as, he, as he's supposed to be. Um, he did have a slight hint of a smile at the end. Right. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. What, what, I mean, how, how has you been received by, um, you know, the wider general public in terms of your actions? And clearly you convinced the, the jury. And I think public opinion is certainly uh, on side in terms of, of the, the climate crisis. Um, but in terms of the tactics that, that you've uh, employed there, uh, what kind of reaction have you been getting from the wider general public to those sorts of uh, direct action tactics? Uh, various. Um, some people obviously disprove of it. Some people think that breaking windows is violent when we are a non-violent organisation. Um, so there's lots of arguments around that. Um, yeah. My position would be that it's it's, it's a measured and proportional response to the emergency phase, uh, given the failures of the tactics. Sure. Well, it's interesting that... Um, we're seeing this uh, in a number of cases now, uh, campaigners against the arms trade who've committed damage to uh, uh, weapons of war uh, have actually been acquitted because they are, you know, preventing a, a, their crime is to prevent a, a greater crime. And it's interesting that the, the government has uh, recently passed legislation which uh, gives the security services and the police the right to commit criminal conduct in order to prevent crime and a range of other very worrying uh, aspects uh, as well uh, one of which i think potentially could be used against uh, activists like your like yourself let me bring jane in then and and hear jane's uh, uh, thoughts about the action and your reaction to the acquittal yeah um my reaction to the acquittal um I wasn't looking at the judge. I was just had my eyes focused on the jewelry and just looking at them, wanting to give them my attention and to show how grateful I felt towards them for, you know, doing what they'd done, which was to to take a step forward, to to, to actually step away from from where we'd been stuck for so long. And and obviously we'd spent all this time encouraging them and giving them information and. You know, and it was painful to give that information both for us and for them listening because it's it's a tough ride to listening to that stuff. You know, like, mm. you know, the lobbying that's been going on for so many years, it's shocking. And we're used to hearing about it. I mean, some of us are able to sort of take on that, you know, that the tobacco industry went through the same process. 
and um, you know that they lobbied in order to sell their wares, if you like. And even though everyone knew that smoking kills and create, you know, is really bad for lung cancer, so just sort of delivering that and that kind of stuff in in court was painful for us because we're looking at them, we're looking at their faces, you know, we're you know we're trying to sense how they feel, and they're looking at us trying to sense how we feel. And I think that that's it, really. It's because of that situation where you're human beings inside a room, you've got nothing else to do but to focus on each other. It's a really human, it's a really human experience, you know, and that's why we were acquitted because, yeah. you know, we, we tried to show our humility as much as we could, as well as deliver the facts, you know, but it was the humility that makes a difference. And I've come home and my neighbours aren't talking to me. And I just think it's really sad because if they spoke to me, I could just explain it just the same as explaining it to the people in the jury. And, I, and this is what I feel really is that it's just about really find, you know, getting the facts and, and, and hearing them in a way that they don't sound like bullshit. You know, they're real. If people try to sell me an idea, I'm really cynical and I'm like, well, when or how? You know, we've been over this and over this and, and you know, it's been two years of going through all all the facts and figures and looking at history. So we can deliver it well, but we're also totally in our hearts when we're doing it. And I think that's the, that's the key, really. You can talk well, away. But Indeed. Not, well, I, uh, absolutely. I mean, you're on the front line and, uh, you know, we've had lots of talking and... Uh, and frankly, I'm not sure that other environmental groups have have, have had the as big a cut through as you've had in in such a short space of time. Uh, and it's interesting that uh, you know some of the difficult topics that they uh, you know that the environmental groups don't seem to address. And uh, you know, I think some of the extreme tactics. Well, it's. Yeah, referred to as extreme, you know, the direct action tactics that you're, that you're taking. I mean, it has got a long tradition, of course, in this in this country, you know, I mean, to get universal suffrage, of course, it you know required this type of direct action. And uh, no doubt in the history books, you will, you will be regarded as kind of freedom fighters and, and heroes, as I've said, national heroes, which is what you are, although, you know, you're on the wrong side of the law at the moment. When the law is wrong, when the law is an ass, then, you know, uh, the sort of measures that you're taking, I think, are uh, absolutely uh, essential and, and definitely part of the, the of the mix of uh, of uh, options that we need to to look at. So you, you certainly have my support, now, and clearly, you know, you convince the jury, and that's that's really encouraging. Are you optimistic about the future, though? I mean, what's kind of response are you getting from from the politicians? You know, the people that are you know kind of making the laws and the sort of decisions relating to uh, environmental impacts. Jane. Is that a question for me? Um, yes, Jane, yeah. It's a process, isn't it? Let's face it. So when you're making something, it, it can look like you're never going to get there. It's a bit like giving birth, isn't it? It's like, oh, my God, you know, I'm never going to do this. I actually just want to die. It hurts too much. Just fuck off, everyone. And then suddenly it comes together. And I really believe that that could be, and I'm hoping that it will be the process for us. Because basically, you know, we're not going to wait 50 years like, you know, we're not going to wait. We can't years. wait. We can't wait fifty. We haven't got the time, have we? I mean, it's an emergency, it's isn't it? They waited a hundred years. We just can't be doing that. So we just got to do this. We have got to do it this way. And um, and and that you know, I don't know if we're going to be remembered. I mean, you know, there's people who are being killed now in 
you know, South America all the time. You know, they're, they've been on the front line much longer than us and have so many mm. more risks than we do To You know, we're really lucky to live in this country where we can mm. glue on and break stuff and still you know, be in one piece at the end of the day, you know, not only mm. that, but they give you dinner and a nice cup of tea, you know, it's, it's so I don't know, mm. I don't see myself as a hero so much as just like, we're just really taking advantage of the fact that we're privileged, we're white, we're, you know, we're, we're going for it, really, we're going to, you know, what else, what other choice do we have? You know, once you, mm. once you know where you're going, yeah. you just got to go. Yeah, I know we do. Full, you know, full throttle, haven't you? I mean, that's, that's how yeah. I feel. Let's bring in Sanon then and, uh, uh, and get uh, uh thoughts and uh, views in relation to you know, what's happened and, and what, you know, what's your take on the future? Are you optimistic about where we're going? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I'm not, not optimistic at all about climate change. I think we've got a grim future ahead mm. of us. You know, we are in climate change and the scientists are telling us it's going to be terrible and it's going to be terrible pretty soon. Mm. So I find that really scary, to be honest. Mm. I'm, I'm actually, you know, terrified of it. And I, I have sleepless nights worrying about my kids, my grandkids. Yes. You know? yeah. But on the other hand, you know, things are changing all the time. So we don't know what, what it's actually going to be like. And it's amazing, like in lockdown, how something terrible brought out the best in people. And yeah. our culture and our humanity is changing all the time. Mm. And I know that we're, we're heading into something new. And all the time I'm seeing sort of awesome examples of how people are changing and how we're learning new stuff. and. You know, this is the age of Aquarius. We are heading into something new. There's yeah. all sorts of different understandings and ways of experiencing stuff and ways of working together that we're, we're just beginning to get into now. So yeah. in that sense, yeah, I'm really optimistic. I, I think yeah, I think we can be so much better than what we have been. This this myth that we're told that, that all the progress that we've had for the last 2,000 years or however long, has all been good. I think that's bollocks. I think a lot of it mm. has been dehumanising, has has separated mm. people from themselves and from each other. And mm. and I think a lot of people are really lonely and stressed. And I don't think we're doing that well. No, I don't think our society is doing well in the fact that just to stay afloat, we've got to trash our home. Mm. And we know that in our hearts, we know that. And that's is technology enough. the uh, is technology the uh, the solution then the future? No. What, 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 how do we how do we solve this climate? I, I take kids out on expeditions in the countryside, and rule number one is when you're lost, you've got to stop. Hmm. You can't you can't get yourself out of a problem if you carry on walking. If you carry on digging, you can't get yourself out of a hole. You've just got to admit that you're lost. Yeah. If you carry on trying to technology us out of this problem, we're just digging ourselves in more. And it's because we're not actually accepting that we're lost. And if, until we accept that we're lost, until we accept that we actually, we're in the shit. 
And we let me bring in that hustle then. Absolutely. Is Hassa there? Have we got Hassa on? Papalos? So uh, is capitalism then the, the, the problem? I mean, from my perspective, I think uh, until we can, uh, you know, tackle capitalism and find a, an alternative to uh, capitalism, then this, this is going to be very difficult to uh, tackle this, isn't it? You know, unchecked capitalism, I think, I think is the, the issue. And where we have companies like, like, like the likes of Shell, who can um, go on destroying ecosystems and our natural world unchecked. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's, a, that's a big problem for, for, for where we are today. And we need that to, to stop and to change. For far too long now, we've been putting money uh, above everything and anything else, including including life on this planet, and that's that's really where capitalism runs into a huge problem. Absolutely. So let me go back uh, to uh, to David then, and uh, I mean it's interesting. I think that the number of uh, you know sort of celebrities that are getting in on this and and raising uh, consciousness, people like uh, David Attenborough, I think I've, I've done a a really useful role, I think, in raising consciousness. But there is a concern, isn't there, that uh, there's a billionaire class or sort of colonising the the green movement. How do we? Or do you see that as a problem? And and if you do, how do we? How do we guard against that? What do we do about that? Well, there's always going to be a problem with people taking advantage of disasters. I mean, Naomi Klein wrote the book, didn't she? Disaster. Mm. It, it, we know that disaster capitalism is it's it's the, where there's a crisis, there's money to be made, and they, whether it's in a war zone or in climate breakdown, there are people thinking they can mm. carry on making money till and somehow be okay and somehow mm. escape with it. And uh, you can see what's happened in microcosm with with COVID. I mean, the inequality around the globe in terms of dealing with this is shocking and it, it you know it, it's a cliche that no one's safe until everyone's safe but but that's not how the decision makers are are dealing with the truth they say that and then they hoard the hoard the fucking vaccines you know it's it's mm. incredible so mm. the same problem is going to be facing us with with the climate only to to the power of a thousand i mean you know the covid is just a a kind of you know, it's not even a rehearsal in terms of the scale mm. of the problem. And you've got, you know, you can see that the forces of a kind of securitized, militaristic, fascist way of dealing with this, it's already starting. You know, the military are way ahead of politicians in terms of how to deal with the climate crisis. They're already thinking about it. Mm. And it's really scary, as Senan says. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so the fact that billionaires are thinking here's a money to be made out of this is is you know utterly predictable, but really mm. is terrible as well. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, not something you write about. We people are capable of so much more, you know, mm. and that's what's great about what the jury did. Mm. So the jury, ordinary people, no one can say that this case was about you know. Um, middle-class hypocrites or white people taking advantage of their privilege this was this was the 
the jury making this decision. So it wasn't us. You can, you know, caricature defendants, but this was the jury's moment, and they were mm. ordinary people, absolutely, a, you know, a, a slice through, through the population of, of South London, and they're the ones who made the decision. They're the ones who said this is an emergency. Mm. So it's a big deal, you know. I mean, uh, responding. Yeah. Ian, and uh, I was watching the uh, the documentary Sea Spiracy. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it's on, on uh, Netflix. I recommend uh, people watch it if they've not seen it. But one of the things which troubled me in that was that uh, the researcher, the guy who produced it, um, was talking to a number of uh, so-called environmental groups. But they had a vested interest, really, and they were being financed, bankrolled, some of them, by people that were exploiting uh, the, the marine habitat and uh, consequently they didn't actually tackle some of the kind of thorny issues like you know industrial uh, fishing uh, which is uh, responsible for I think a statistic that was quoted in the documentary for 46 percent of uh, the uh, plastic waste in the in the oceans and uh, I think the view was that rather than actually um, seeking to I think the guy, there was interviewing a guy from Sea Shepherd saying that uh, rather than being interested in some of these organisations in finding a solution to a problem, they want to exploit the problem in order to, you know, bring in uh, subscriptions, resources and, and so on, just to kind of keep their organisations going. Is that, is that a concern that you're, you've come across, Ian? Well, it is, and I haven't, I haven't watched the film because I gave up eating seafood several years ago when I found out how bad, uh, you know, industrial fishing was. Um, and there seems to be no need to research that any further for me. The, I think one of the key things is that a lot of people in this on, on, in the world now can, what they say, better able to contemplate the end of the, the, end of the world than they are a reduction in their own living standards. And there seems to be a lot of people trying to make a bargain that we can carry on with the privileges and the wealth we've got. Uh, and save the planet um you know the whole for me the whole sustainability argument isn't sustainable because it's about keeping the engine of destruction running yeah and that seems to be where a lot of the <clears throat> sustainability sort of argument is um and and that can't happen long term you know some of us the wealthiest people in the world have got to have a reduction of living standards i think which mm. you know to go back to your earlier question was uh, in XR in the early days, it was always, you know, is, is it revolutionary or reformist? And that's the, mm. the real argument to have, I think. What's your thoughts then? Revolutionary or reform? Mm, probably uh, slightly towards the revolution. Um, it's as much a, mm. a spiritual thing, I think, that, you know, mm. an awful lot of people on this earth have got to have a good hard look at themselves, you know, and decide, you know, at what, at, to what extent their lives can flourish at the expense of others. How do we, uh, Jane, build a mass movement then? I mean, clearly you're doing a good job, uh, I think, in uh, recruiting a lot of uh, people. But just in terms of convincing, uh, you know, the uninitiated, as it were, people who haven't necessarily thought that much about uh, in environmental catastrophe. You know, we've got 14 million people living in poverty. People are really, you know, struggling just to kind of get through the week, as it were. Um, how is, because this, I think, is so important, in my view, anyway, to, to kind of really popularise and I think we're pushing it an open door because I think there is a, as we've discovered with your court hearing, 
Um, but what do you think about that? How do we, how do you go about doing that in terms of creating that mass movement to create that sort of momentum, which is unstoppable? I mean, you're asking more than one question there. And I suppose it's like, you know, like how many people do we actually need is one element of it because we don't actually need to be popular. You know, Mm. when the suffragettes won, they were the most unpopular people in England. You know, the the group of people that hated the suffragettes were actually bigger group than the suffragettes themselves. It's just Mm. the suffragettes were so powerful in what they did. That's why Mm. they won. And that's the same. That's you know. Hopefully, that's a, that's what we're trying to do in 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 XR. We're not out to be popular, you know. Like it really is unpopular blocking the roads of of, of the city. I mean, it's totally mm. horrendous. And to begin with, I really didn't want to do it. I was happy to break mm. the windows of the Shell building because to me, that's a corporate and that's like it's part of this system that we're trying to sort of you know use as a you know like a we just wanted to use the building to to express how we felt about the system. Um, but sitting in a road was really hard work. <laughs> but then once I'd learned, oh, yeah, OK, this is how it works. It was easy to do it. Um, and, and and I guess, you know, but that doesn't mean to say that we're that we don't need to talk to the to to all the different kinds of people that, you know, like, you know, people who are working, you know, 70 hour weeks. So we do still talk to them. We do that on the street. And, um, you know, we just talk to people on the street. A lot of us do. And that's an aspect I really enjoy, actually. I really like doing that. And, I, and again, it's like what I'm saying, you know, when I was in court and you're just looking at a person. And I work with people all my life, vulnerable people. Um, so I kind of like when I'm talking to someone, I'm not just listening to what they're saying. I'm kind of figuring them out and, um, and how they're feeling and stuff. So in that way, you can get through to them. But it's like we need you on our side, but we don't actually need you to sit in the road. (laughs) You know, we just need you to talk. We need you to open up the conversation with your families. We just need you to ask the questions. You know, you don't have to do all the reading. Just stay open, you know, to to what our cause is. Um, So, yeah, that's the two sides of it to me. A, we don't need everyone. And B... We can talk and we can get through. Anyone can understand this situation. I'm not somebody who's, you know, hugely intelligent and able to take loads of facts on and understand complex ideas. But, you know, I did it. I just took my time and and now I can find that I can explain it to people who are at the same kind of level as me, you know, and, and, and I can direct them to places where they can find the kind of information that they'll understand and, um, and, and be able to take on the ideas. So, so yeah, I, I think it's just on the streets talking to people and showing how you feel, you know, like just really show. This isn't an yeah. intellectual thing. This is really about your heart and about, you know, how you feel about it, really. It, that's the way, mm. that's, how we, that's how we've managed to get where we've got so far, I think. And yeah. I really enjoy talking to people about it because <laughs> I just think people get so angry and I just look at them and I think wow all that energy what could you do with all of that you know and it's like yeah. it's like acknowledging their passion you know they're so passionate about how angry they are because I've blocked the road you know and it's like yeah I agree with you it's really horrendous I'm so sorry and um and you've worked so hard and I can see you know like you're 
you've been working on a building site all day. And it's like eventually, you know, those are the kind of people that roll really easy because they're passionate and, they, and they've got a, strong feelings. Do you see what I mean? So yes, as soon indeed. as you get on their side and you get them to understand the concept, it's like they're right with you. I love that aspect of our work, actually, just talking to mm. people. Mm. Simon, do you have any concerns about the legislative uh, programme that the government is bringing in to, uh, which will, I think, be deployed against you? I mean, one of the things that uh, in the police uh, uh, crime uh, sentencing of courts bill is a clause that will enable people to be subject to a criminal sanction if you cause uh, serious annoyance to someone else. You can be reported for that and and prosecuted accordingly, or will be able to, assuming that legislation goes through. I mean, are you are you troubled by the legislative uh, restrictions that they're going to bring in to stop you, Chris? We've lost Simon. Simon? We've lost oh, we? Simon. Else, I, I do beg your pardon. It's Senum then. Sorry. Yeah, let's go with you, Senum. What's your thoughts on that point? Um, yeah, I mean, like David was saying, I think I think the government, the, the sort of uh, the controlling side of government, the military side of government is al already three steps ahead of us on this. Um, and their way of dealing with it is to tighten up control. And so the the uh, the police bill um, criminalizing protest is a sign of that. Mm. I mean, you know. You, nothing changes without without disruption. Yeah. I think it was Martin Luther King said, you know, you've got to shake things up to get change. Otherwise, yeah. things just carry on. And and they're trying to criminalise disruption. Yes. Um, and it's yeah. a way of tightening up control. But at the same time as that, climate change is advancing really quickly. We're, we're in the middle of a drought at the moment in this country. Mm. We Our mm. food food uh, that we're growing in this country is dropping year on year. Our soil fertility is dropping drastically mm -hmm. year on year. We, you know, it's unavoidable. Climate change and the effects of biodiversity are going to become more and more evident. Mm -hmm. Young people are learning about this in school and they're being taught this is an emergency and then they're looking out of school and seeing nothing's happening. So all those pressures are rising, you know, mm -hmm. It's it's quite a dilemma. It's just a powder keg that is yes. building up pressure in, in the public. And at the same time, because no one's talking about it and no one's dealing with it, government aren't dealing with it at all properly. They're just trying to clamp down on it. That's just increasing the pressure. And it's it's really dangerous. It's so irresponsible what they're doing. They, they are fucking with our lives. Mm. Well, they are, and of course, the corporate classes as well. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. and the government tend to be a servant of the of the corporate world rather than the wider general public. And uh, that I have a concern yeah. about our representative democracy in this country and really everywhere, frankly, uh, or vast majority anyway. Certainly, this this both sides of the Atlantic, where yeah. you've got uh, major political parties, are essentially corporate parties, who are representing the interests of corporate capitalism. And if they were representing the interests of everybody else, we wouldn't have the you know the social problems that we've got, and we'd be a lot further forward, I think, in addressing the, this 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 looming climate catastrophe. So, what's the next steps then? I mean, education. What, what next? Yeah, 
I mean, I mean for, for XR, I mean, for XR, I mean, what's your next steps in terms of is education? Is that it, or or, or more well, direct? Well, I assume they've been. The reason we got acquitted in court. The reason, sorry, am I talking over? No, no, no. no reason, you know, I think the re part of the reason we got acquitted in court was because we told the truth. Mm. We told the jury what climate change is and what's going on in our government failing to do anything. And they just went like, well, add one and one together. The answer is obviously this isn't right. Mm. But, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the media keep us, you know, confused. They don't put out the truth there. Big Oil has spent billions lying about climate change to confuse people. A lot of, a lot of people, you know, we, we have no idea what trouble, what an awful situation we're actually in now. No, of course. And uh, the corporate and world have a, have a lot of resources at their disposal and that they're, they're deployed to, uh, as you say, you know, manipulate opinion. And uh, but, they're, but they're losing the, the battle, I think, as far as public opinion is concerned. Anyway, I think uh, they're not actually, um, you know, convincing people that, uh, you know, they're doing what they're doing is 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 acceptable but it's uh it's translating that into action that is the challenge and i think what obviously xr is doing is is really bringing a sharp attention to it you're doing activities which forces the corporate media because the media doesn't really serve the public either but it is forcing them to uh, to cover what you are doing and forcing attention on this on this crucially important uh, issue um, but, but, but Kat, I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts about what, what, what next then in terms of, I mean, obviously education is, is important, but you know, how is that, how is that achieved? Um, and how do we then translate that into action by the policymakers and by the corporate sector? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, the yeah, climate yeah. bill, um, that's getting more and more attention at the moment. And I'd really like to see that being discussed more in, in parliament and, um, and see where that takes us. Um, I mean, for XR, I, I don't know. I think all of our opinions are probably different on that one. Um, my own personal, uh, stance right now is that, um, we need to go for um, resilience and adaptation um, in adapting to our times and how we how we basically help our children survive um, uh, this 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 crisis and where, where we're at. Um, and that to me looks like, you know, being on a piece of land for my family and growing growing our, our vegetables and and living off a piece of land. Um, but yes, I think I appreciate that's that's going to be very different for all of us. Indeed, I mean, one of the things I'm passionate about, um, of course, is, is, is yes, indeed. I was just going to say one of the things I'm passionate about, Kat, is um, is animal rights, and uh, I mean, the livestock industry, of course, is a is a major contributor to uh, climate change, and indeed is a significant factor in the extreme flooding events that we've been experiencing because of the uplands are almost universally deforested now and there is a there is a you know there's been a big increase in the number of people going vegan i went vegan in 1976 but uh, 
Does more need to be done in that regard? I noticed even actually the government in their in their recent announcement were talking about uh, that that thorny topic because it is a very it does create a lot of um, heat when the issue about diet is is raised. Uh, but even they were talking about people are going to have to look at reducing their meat and dairy consumption. Do you think uh, there's more that could be done there? Is that is that an area that XR might engage in? Because, I mean, there's a lot of people going vegan anyway now. I mean, you can see that with the supermarkets. They're kind of catering in a way which certainly weren't 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, much like unchecked capitalism, when, when you have mass production of, of, of anything is, is, an, is an issue. Um, yes, there are parts of XR. There are people in XR. I think they're called vegans of XR. Um, or, um, yeah, the... the there's, there's various different groups within Extinction Rebellion um, who are very concerned about the animal issues. Um, I mean, for me, I think that if we're living more local um, lifestyles, I think that's far more sustainable. The, the problem where we are now is that things aren't sustainable. We can't continue no, on the same trip. That's tricky, though, Kat, isn't it? That, I mean, that might um, that, that will work for some people. And it's increasing year on year. Yeah, I'm going to say that will work for some people, but but it's not practical for everybody, is it? I mean, a lot of people, you know, living in inner city London in a flat, you know, they how do they become sustainable? I mean, they might have an allotment, but I mean, you know, that that can work for some people, but there needs to be a a macro policy solution, doesn't there? That um, you know addresses that challenge. Do you not think? Yeah, I I agree, and. You know what's really exciting to see, actually, in inner city uh, London is um, blocks of flats, uh, communities getting together and sharing a garden and communally yeah. having allotments. Mm. And that really excites me. I'm seeing a lot more of that. Um, mm. I'm hearing a lot more of that around London. That's really mm. exciting to see that. Mm. I mean, David, I could see you were nodding your head there. I mean, clearly... Uh, the livestock industry is a very inefficient use of, of land. I mean, do, do you think there's scope for uh, a bigger push um, on on that, um, reducing meat consumption, preferably going vegan? Yeah, I mean, I'm afraid, you know, industrial farming, like industrial fishing, you know, and the climate, there's a, the, the common denominator is capitalism, right? It's selling, it's yeah. selling stuff, selling stuff you persuading you you need stuff that you don't need that's not going to make you happy that's not going to make you healthy that's going to stress you out and um that's the root cause right so all these things are symptoms of that root cause i i am i mean i'm a uh, i'm not a vegan i'm a vegetarian i don't eat fish either but i would like to think that xr has got room for carnivores okay i think this idea that there's two things going on here. One is sort of tribal stuff, and XR, you know, is is as guilty as anyone of becoming a sort of tribe, which is not is not helpful. Okay, it has to be a, open to you. We ought to have we ought to have truckers for XR. We ought to have carnivores for XR. We ought to have beer drinks for XR. It's a bigger thing than just a sort of personal lifestyle, a personal choice. But the second thing is this whole idea that you can make a difference is a real conspiracy by the government. I mean, this is this is the same kind of um, obfuscation, the same kind of lies that Shell perpetrates. So the government is saying, you know, 
yes, 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 but it's kind of, but you can make a difference. And they put the onus on people. Well, people are not stupid. They know whether whether they put their glass jar in this in this box or another box is not going to make a difference. Not not to what's going on globally around them. Mm. So it's a cop out to put all this pressure on individuals. Okay, it's important that we should all make choices that make us live better, that makes us feel better. And we should start to practice some frugality as part of getting ready for what's coming down the line. Okay, we need to get into mm. better habits. But the idea that you can make a difference, it's just a cop out. And it's causing people to stress out about this and make them defensive and angry when what we need is people to be allowed to think about this with some grief and some presence of mind. Yeah. But unless we tackle the, uh, you know, that elephant in the room of the uh, industrial uh, fishing industry and livestock industry, then we're not going to make any progress, are we? So, I mean, it does. It is a nettle that has to be grasped, isn't it? I mean, it's not necessarily it just simply about saying, you know, devolve it to individual choice. I mean, people can make that contribution, but unless there is a macro change, because individuals making that change, as I did 40 odd years ago, <laughs> it's not going to change anything. Uh, but uh, there has to be a macro change, doesn't there? Uh, and that's where, you know, pressure obviously has to come from from below. Um, otherwise, we're going to, you know, <laughs> run, out, run out of time. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that, Ian? You're looking very pensive there. Well, the, you know, primarily there's a big debate about whether XR should be a, a campaigning um, system to get people to change their lifestyles. Um, that's not really what it's about. It is about um, sort of macro policy level change, as, you, as you've said. Um, for me personally, I went vegan when I started contemplating non-violence a little bit harder. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's what actually swung it for me in the end. Um, mm. So, you know, it's a complex argument um, and not one I could mm. claim to direct everybody um, in. Mm. What advice would you have? I mean, I'll go to Lizzie in a minute and get some questions and comments from our audience. But... Um, what advice would you have for people watching this evening into, who are concerned about the environment and are concerned about the oil industry in terms of uh, you know, bringing pressure there? What, 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 what would you think they ought to be doing if they want to help? That's for you, Ian. Mm, that's a good question <laughs> and a big one. Or anybody else for that matter. I don't, Jane, I mean, it, may not be, it may not be. For everybody to take the action that we've taken you know we have had no. some degree of privilege in, in being able to act as we do um as you can see most of us here are slightly older and you know have some level of financial security and the like um so it's it's, it's tricky to prescribe what everyone else should be doing um but if they oh, start thinking well, well, about it, it, start thinking well, about it yeah, I wasn't necessarily saying what they should be doing. It's what I'm thinking. You know, if people are watching who, are, who who would like to get involved. I mean, what sort of things could they be doing? What What would you recommend? If, if I'm not sort of saying we should dragoon people, I can see. Uh, yeah, Sanan, what would you think, mate? Go on. Find out. Find out about climate change. Because, yeah, I mean, XR isn't about you know lifestyle choices. It's about finding out the truth and then acting as if it's real. Yeah, and people need to find out the truth about climate change for themselves and talk to each other. Because um, I think if people know how serious we, the trouble we're in, they'll take to the streets. Yeah. Because yeah. that is the only option. That That is how serious it is. This, this is... 
this is do or die now. And I, you know, I know that sounds sounds harsh, but that is where we're at. No, and no, people I mean, I, I, know that. people need to know that, and they're not they're not coming across it because it's not in the mainstream media. No, so I would say live your life, be happy, do what you can. But the warning, there's something big coming up behind you and it's going to hit us all really hard, really soon. Yeah. And that people need to find out about it. Well, if we, if we don't sort out, the, for example, the industrial fishing, then I think that's, uh, you know, potentially the end of humanity because, uh, you know, that's a, uh, a massive uh, uh, carbon dump in the, in the ocean, which uh, the ecosystem has been completely screwed. And uh, we're going to be in a very, very serious uh, situation if, if things are resolved soon uh, but uh, Kat you were just indicating and I'll go to Lizzie I think you just wanted to say something yes I was just I was going to say I echo what Senan just said um, and I would also um, ask invite people to check out the um, stop ecocide change the law campaign um, and yeah take a look at that and become an earth protector um, there's the work of our late Polly Higgins um, who was a uh, an earth lawyer um, fighting to get a law in place to stop companies from um, mindlessly wrecking our environment. So, yeah, yeah, I would urge people to check that out. Cool. Thank you for that. Thank you. And let me bring in Lizzie then and uh, just sort of get the audience reaction now. Over to you, Lizzie. Hello, everybody. <laughs> right, we have lots of questions and we have lots of um, suggestions and a lot of people agreeing with everything that you've been saying. First of all, um, Clive Lewis, the MP, wrote a statement in support of your action, Senan. Did you use it? Um, yes, I did. Yeah, the, the judge blocks me from being able to submit the statement in full, but I was able to um quote bits from it and and basically the message was that clive was saying i'm sure he'll agree with it that um our our government is not functioning uh, as uh, chris said you know representative democracy is you know it is not what we've got we've got money buys power um we've got a democracy where people are entitled to vote but they don't know any of the facts and they get one vote every five years for what for you know there's no choice there um so so clive's lovely statement was saying you know it's about wake up time and it's about it's ultimately it's going to be down to the people that's people's assemblies um and a jury is is a lovely form of democracy yes as we found and tom jarman said the judge said that there was no defense in law so did no one exercise the earth protector's defense the one that polly higgins was instrumental in establishing or if it was argued does it not work should we go to uh, jane please for an answer to that um i'm probably the only one that didn't use it actually. um i mean i'm happy to answer it i would have used it um but um it was we were having such trouble getting it through as a piece of evidence because the judge was saying well it's not actually a piece of it's not actually law and you know the, the other guys were arguing for why it was and in the end i just didn't use it but i think nearly everybody else used it um 
And I think it had an effect on the jury. And it is a piece of evidence and it is a piece of law. But it's just, you know, in, in terms of his level of what he thinks law is, it's not, it wasn't acceptable. I can't remember the other bit of the question, Lizzie. What, what else did you say to me? Yeah, if it was argued, does it not work? Which I think you've answered. Um, right. it, it does work on, on the jurors, but sometimes the judge tends to dismiss it. It's like everything. We have to use it and use it and use it, and then it will, and it will become something that is, you know, recognised. It's like everything. Um, is I, I wanted to say something about um, growing food earlier. I was, you know, it's like we think it's like this massive problem, and I agree with you, Chris. You know, there's thousands of people living in tower blocks, and how on earth are we going to feed everyone? But you know, it's. Once everybody and, and backing up what Senan said, as, lo, as long as soon as everybody knows what's going on and what the deal is, there's going to be a massive panic attack going on. And, and just as we had with HIV and just as we had with COVID and, and we will mobilise. I trust that we will mobilise. You know, there, there are ways of growing vegetables in and we the dreaded plastic. But, you know, we can grow. We can. We It's just about, get you know. I'm not the most intelligent one, this sort of, you know, technical stuff, but I trust that there are people out there who could, who know what they're doing. And it's just about wanting it, really. At the moment, we're, we're walking around with a um, blindfold on. Mm. You know, as soon as people understand what the deal is, then, you know, we'll, re, we, we'll reinvent it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Kat, uh, we have a question for you. Can you tell us about your day in court yesterday? Because, of course, the others, all the others were, were all charges were rescinded. But you had to, had to plead guilty because of your childcare uh, issues. So how did you fare yesterday? Um, yeah, so I, I had to plead guilty because I couldn't afford to do a two-week trial. You know, I have a one-year-old who's very much dependent on um, on being breastfed whenever he wants um and so yesterday um despite the judge and the the court hearing that that was my position last time at the beginning of the trial two weeks ago um i turned up at the court yesterday and there's not even a chair for me to sit down to feed my baby so my choice was either to sit down in the corridor floor and feed him or a toilet seat, um, which neither seemed quite appealing. Um, so that was that was basically my my part of my speech to the judge, um, which was to say it was very disappointing in a 21st century court that there's no provisions made mm. for mothers and babies um, and that I wasn't accommodated. Um, you know, the, the judge could have found ways of in accommodating me through the two-week trial, um, but, yeah, that hadn't happened. Um, and I gave um, what I hope was, was a moving speech for, for, the, for the judge, just highlighting what it, what it felt as a, as a mother um, to take this action and why I, why I did what I did. And then at the end of it... Um, he gave me six months conditional discharge and no fees to pay and no fines to pay, which uh, which was great news. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. 
Well, we do have some other questions. I don't know how much we've got a few minutes left. Um, a few minutes, some, that's all, unfortunately. John Fuller said, um, I used the defence of necessity, which was rejected, but I would like to know more about Sid's sandwich defence. Can anyone, as Sid's not there, can anyone take that? I, I, I don't know about sandwich defence. I think that must be referring to the idea that Shell would have given consent. So one of the, I think, it, under what is it, section 5.2, there is one of the legal defences uh, that can be used against a charge of criminal damage is that the owner of the building or the property would have consented. So Sid set off to say um, that he believes Shell would have given consent. So the prosecution, the CPS, were kind of incredulous. Um, you know, seriously? And Sid absolutely nailed it. Um, what he did was to say Shell is an entity. So when they said, did you get consent from the building manager or from the, you know, the CEO of Shell? No, he said, Shell is bigger than that. Shell is an entity with shareholders, 83,000 staff, um, families, people at all these different levels. And he said, if they had known about the climate emergency, they would have wanted me to do that. So it was a, it was a total head fuck, really. It was incredible that he did it. And he did it with such uh, integrity and um, that each objection from the CPS just kind of, it was like waves breaking around a boulder in, you know, on the edge of the sea. It was just completely impervious. And I, he, we don't know what the jury made of it, but it did go all the way through. The judge did not rule it out. So it was really impressive. And it's also the same defence that Roger Hallam and David Durrant used in the King's College case where they said this, you know, the Kings would have given them permission or, and had given them permission in the, in the form of student union votes about um, divestment and other stuff that had gone from sort of different levels of the university. So it's a really interesting defence. Did you all represent yourself, David, by the way? Did you not yeah, have legal did. representation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, and it's and the, the really important lesson is, A, it's not as scary as you think. And B, we could say things that a barrister could could not have said on our behalf. Yeah, because we. And didn't I think the courts think. give you a bit more leeway when you're representing yourself too. To be fair, so. Yeah, yeah it sounds as though that's a bit sort of optional, but actually, it's quite. Simple. They really have to make sure that you understand every stage. Yes. <laughs> of your doom, yes. you know, and so yeah. that's that's genuine. They do make sure you understand, and yeah, a barrister could not have could not have said what we said because they'd have been restricted to the law and we obviously went went skirted around it yeah very good right well, lizzie, we we've got a minute last... we've got a, mi a minute left lizzie so uh, we have one oh, last what? question the left and the environmental movement in particular seems to be still too middle class in spite of gains over the last few years how do we turn that around and become more inclusive of different classes uh, Ian, please. <laughs> nice, nice, easy one to end with. <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is I don't know. Um, I just don't know. It, it, it's, it's a difficult problem that needs addressing. Um, 
if the person who knows the answer can please make themselves known, I'd be glad to meet them. I mean, I think one of the things is, is working with the trade union uh, movement. It's uh, it's about community organising. And I think, uh, you know, when we, like you say, when, when people are exposed to the argument, I think that uh, it's very convincing. It's overwhelming. And uh, so I do think there's a lot to be said for that kind of community level activity. Somebody mentioned education, the importance of education. Obviously, that will go ahead in schools. But I think that community organising, well, the direct action, in my view, anyway, I'm not a member of XR, but I'm very supportive of the activities that you do. But I think that community organising and raising these issues, you know, in communities is really, really important. I mean, uh, I was involved in the peak oil campaign a few years ago, and that was one of the things that, it's certainly Derby anyway, where I live. Uh, that was one of the things they were trying to do. Um, and uh, and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of interest, a lot of support. But we need to, we need to grow that. That needs to be much, 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 much bigger. Is what I would say. Anyway, I think so. Lots of time. Go on, said it as a I final. Just one thing. I think Ian hit it on the head there. We don't know. Yeah. No. I mean, XR doesn't really know what you know. We, we're not saying we've got the answers. We're just trying our no. best. We don't well, know what, what the way forward your, is. So everything is welcome. And your and your best is um, has been excellent so far. So keep keep going. More power to your. Let, let me thank our guests then this evening, Jane, uh, Simon, David, Ian, Kat, Sid, and, and Senan. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this evening's discussion. This is an issue which will run and run, and it's really important, as I've just been saying there, and we've heard from all our contributors this, this evening, that uh, there's, a, there's a potential climate catastrophe on the horizon, and it's so important, therefore, that we, that we do grasp this issue and, and start bringing it to pressure pressure to bear on our policymakers and on the corporate sector and uh, to push for that revolution which I think uh, I think it was Ian that was uh, suggesting that that's what we needed thanks again anyway for watching next week we've got uh, a uh, a member of uh, resist a Palestine activist uh, Natalie uh, Strecker she's going to be speaking about the situation in Palestine amongst other things so tune in the same time next week at seven o'clock look forward to seeing you there thanks a lot and good night